Well, good morning, Trinity Northside. I'm here in my living room. I feel as though I should have a house coat on. I feel like I should have a scotch in hand and just sitting here by a roaring fire. And yet I'll spare you the very awkward image that that would be. And we'll just dive right into a reflection on Romans chapter eight. But before we start with Romans, a few things I want to remind you about that are really timely for our life together, especially as we figure out how we relate to one another through a screen rather than face to face. I miss being with you all so deeply and hope sooner than later that we will be able to gather again. But until that time comes, there's five things I wanted to update you on. The first is this, specific to the North Side. If you worship with us at Trinity Northside, we're trying to find creative ways to still gather, not just in these pre-recorded formats, uh, but to also gather live in some way, even if it's virtual. And so the first attempt at this we're going to make is tomorrow, Monday, the, tw- uh, the 30th, the 30th of March, tomorrow at noon. And what we're going to do is gather for 30 minutes for midday prayer using a simplified form of prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. We'll gather on a Google Meet uh, online link that if you receive the Sunday Weekly Reader, you will have already received that link. It's in the email that went out this morning. If not, uh, shoot me an email, trip at atltrinity.org, and I will send you that link. But we'd love for you to join us. Just a simple way for us to gather and to pray together. And then also hear some updates, hear how things are going for you, ways that we can support you as a community. And then also hear an update on ways for us to serve and practically be the hands and feet of Jesus to our wider city and to our neighbors in this real time of need. And so Monday midday prayer, we will begin tomorrow and then every Monday for the foreseeable future, we'll gather at noon on Mondays. Second, we also have a few pre-recorded podcasts. One of them is a daily podcast where myself and Chris McDaniel and Matthew Brown, our pastors here at Trinity, we will offer a morning reflection every morning for about 10 minutes or so, where we look at the morning readings and choose one of them and pray and read it and then reflect on it for a few minutes. And so a great way for us to continue with the habit of Bible reading and prayer. would love for you to subscribe to the podcast feed and to join us for that. The other one that's specific to the north side is we have also recorded, Sindhu and I have worked together to record a Wednesday evening prayer podcast. And this will go out on the Wednesday email that comes out at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays. And so you'll find there this coming week, you'll see it. It went out last week and we'll do this for the next few weeks as well as we're in this time of being apart where the opportunity is to sit and have about 30 minutes or so to worship with music and to read scripture and to pray together as a community, specifically to offer some prayers for this season of pandemic that we find ourselves in, to pray for a swift end to this crisis and for the Lord to be merciful and to heal those who are suffering right now. And so uh, if you've never prayed evening prayer, that's totally fine don't have to have any experience with it at all. Uh, All the links that you need to participate are in that midweek email. And then as I record it, I kind of walk you through, tell you what page we're on. It's really easy to jump right in. Would love for you to join us for that every Wednesday evening. And you can pray that at any time. That's the gift of a a podcast. You could pray evening prayer uh, before dinner. You could pray it after dinner. You could pray it as you're going to bed. Whatever seems to work with your rhythm of life. But that's a, a resource that we would love for you to take advantage of. Uh, Fourthly, 
There are many ways to serve. And again, for us on the north side, we're so blessed to have Jonathan Good really leading the charge for us in this way. Jonathan leads a nonprofit called Orchard, and they're doing a lot of work in Atlanta right now to help coordinate the nonprofit response to the coronavirus pandemic. And I've asked Jonathan to really contribute twice a week to help us know how to stay up to speed and how to best serve our community in these uncertain days. And so every Monday at noon, the last five minutes or so of our prayer time together, I've asked him to give us an update, kind of a here's what the week's looking like as we head into the week. And then additionally, he will send us on the Wednesday email a few practical suggestions of ways to get involved. I've already heard from several of you on how you've taken advantage of those that went out this this past Wednesday, just a few days ago, that he gave us a few practical suggestions on how to serve our neighbors, those who are in great need. Lastly, I would say you may be listening to this and you may be someone who's in great need. You may be feeling the the threat of financial loss, of the loss of a job, very real sense of uncertainty and anxiety, and just wanna say that we're here for you. And I would love to connect with you in whatever way would be beneficial to you, whether that's on the phone or on a Zoom call or by email, whatever would, would be a blessing. I, I'm here and would love to walk through that with you. We as a church are in this together and we will see a way through this by God's grace together. So again, shoot me an email. It's probably the best way to begin that conversation. Trip, T-R-I-P-P at atltrinity.org. So I should mention this as well. Everything I just said, if that was hard to keep up with, if you weren't sitting there taking notes, is on a brand new website that just came out this week. And so if you go to our website, atltrinity.org, all the things I just covered and more are represented and redesigned in a very simple, easy to use, easy to navigate website format. And it's just a real gift. I'm grateful to our staff, our communications team. We've put in some long hours this week to help us have that as a resource, as a community. So make sure you check that out as well and explore those resources there. Okay, with all of that, let's turn our hearts, turn our attention to our reflection today, to our reading from Romans chapter eight. We've spent several weeks in Romans now, and this is our last week. This is our final week in Romans because next Sunday, believe it or not, is Palm Sunday. Next Sunday, we join Jesus on the triumphal entry. We begin our journey towards Jerusalem and we walk through the events of Holy Week. And I pray in a really meaningful way. I know it may feel confusing to even hear me say that. You sit here and think, I'm just stuck in a fog. I, I, I hear you say those words and I don't even know what day it is. I don't know where we are in Lent or the liturgical year. Like Lent may have gone out the window a long time ago for you. And that's okay. I, I fully can understand why you might feel that way and why that's the situation we all face. And yet I would encourage you right here at the outset of our time together today, Press back into the gift of life together with the church, of walking through this season, of journeying towards Holy Week. Don't let it go out the window. And I know how challenging that is. Rachel, my wife, and I, we have multiple times over the last few weeks said we feel like we're stuck in the movie Groundhog Day. It just feels like every day is the same. And you can maybe relate to this. There's a way in which we, we do the same things now in a remarkable way over and over again. We wake up, we eat, we try and keep our kids happy and fed and entertained. We kind of wander about the house and then we eat some more and then we sleep and then we repeat and do it all over again. These are really confusing times. I've heard from several of our members over the last couple of weeks who with real honesty have just acknowledged 
it's hard to keep up and sustain their spiritual disciplines in this unprecedented time. It's really hard to press into a normal rhythm of life with God when it feels like everything that's normal has gone out the window. When it feels like all the things we could rely on are now crumbling underneath our feet. And so I understand, but would just encourage you, feel like it's my gift and, and part of my job as a pastor in this community to challenge you to say, cling to those things, cling to your life with God. Because I think we need it now more than ever before. It's hard to feel like we're moving and going anywhere. It feels like we're kind of frozen or stuck. But this is not the time to be frozen. This is the time to continue to move with the Lord. And that's where the daily rhythms are so helpful. The daily office, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, the daily office can root you when you feel rootless. It can keep us moving forward with the Lord, journeying with him. We'll hear that in a few minutes from Paul's words in Romans. But these practices, they're a gift from God. They're not just a gift when life seems to make sense and everything lines up just how it should. They're a gift to us right now in a season of chaos. Maybe for you in a season of crisis, you need them. You need that predictable rhythm of life with God so he can meet you in this moment to walk through it with you, with us as a church family. I think this gives us a sense of direction. We desperately need direction right now. All of us are looking for direction. Where is this headed? Where are we going as a church, as a people, as a community? And living into the Christian year, living into these rhythms of life, they remind us we are headed somewhere. We are people of hope and we cling to that hope. Easter is just around the corner. And Easter is not just a theological ideal. It's not just an abstract idea. Easter is the hope of our lives. That death and disease and chaos does not have the last word. But life and resurrection, those are our words. We are people of resurrection. This is a gift. I know in so many ways this is not a gift, so please don't hear me trivializing in any way this situation. And yet, even in very hard, broken moments, we cling to the gift of encountering God in those places. There's an invitation for you and me, however long we find ourselves here, to still encounter God, to be home, whatever home looks like for you, as we are all now sheltered, quite literally, in our homes, to say, this is a place where I can meet God. The Lord is here in this place with me. We're still together. That's part of the gift of technology in a season like this. We still journey in some way, though not face to face, we still journey together. We move forward with the Lord. This is a precious gift to live life with God, even when it's hard. N.T. Wright seems to be the patron saint of Trinity. We quote him often, but for good reason, a brilliant gift to the church. And one of the things he says that I love about the Trinity is he says that the Trinity is not an abstract idea, which we often make it. He says the Trinity is not an abstract idea, but the Trinity is where you and I live. The Trinity is home. It's my home and it's your home. And so as we're now sheltered at home, we have to remember and rejoice in the fact that we're sheltered with the Lord Jesus. We're sheltered with God the Father. The Holy Spirit is with us in this place, in this very moment. And so we are with the Lord and therefore you and I are not alone. We're safe because we're with the Lord. Our bishop 
Todd Hunter often says this. He says the kingdom of God is never in trouble. And if God's kingdom is never in trouble, that means you and I are safe in his kingdom. We're safe in the kingdom of God. And I think his kingdom is breaking in in all sorts of ways. I've heard so many stories this week of the beauty in the midst of the brokenness, of God's kingdom breaking in. And my prayer is that we would be attentive, that we would learn to be attentive to the ways he's breaking in. And that's what we need. We need that sense of attentiveness. I remember, some of you will remember, years ago, Richard Foster came to Trinity on the West Side. And he talked about his book, Celebration of Discipline. And he said, the one discipline that I would add back in if I was writing it now, rather than when I did decades ago, is the discipline of attentiveness, because we've lost the ability to be attentive to God and to one another. And I think that ability to be attentive is something you and I need now more than ever before. How are we attentive to God, tending to our life in the spirit, even when it feels confusing and disorienting. And as I've tried my best to tend to my own life with God, over the last week, over the last few days, as I've sat with Romans chapter eight, I sense the Lord reminding us again that in this moment, you and I are not alone. He's telling us we are not alone, which is something we need to hear. Now, I think some of you, you may hear this and you may say, trust me, trust me, I know I'm not alone. If only I could have five minutes to myself, what a gift that would be. I've had children clawing on me, climbing on each other, waging small wars. If I have to hear the Frozen 2 soundtrack one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. All I need is to be alone. And I get that, I am right there with you. There's solidarity for those of you who have young children. And yet that may not be where you find yourself. You may kind of chuckle at that, but in you, your own life right now, you might feel quite isolated, very alone, vulnerable, in fact. And wherever you find yourself, what we need to hear is in the truest sense, the biggest sense of the word, you and I are not alone. And how can I say that? How can we be so confident of the nearness of God, especially in these really confusing times? Well, I think we have the incredible witness of history where people have found themselves in similar situations and God has shown up and God has been so near to them and present to them. I think Paul is mindful of this in our own reading in Romans today. Paul's mindful of the story of our faith, the ways in which God himself enters into our chaos and speaks life. That's what really I think the book of Genesis is about. All the way back to the very beginning, Genesis is about the overflow of God's love. God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's never been a moment in which God was alone. There's never been a moment in which God was lonely or needed us. I've heard that from time to time in the church, that God made us because he was lonely. God made us because he was uh, wanting companionship. And that's simply not the case. That's simply not true. God has always been a community of love. And so the reason he created was his love is an overflowing love, true love, genuine love, even our own love is always creative. It's always generative. It's always bringing forth new life. And that's what we see in Genesis. God longs to be with us because he wants to invite others into that perfect love that he knows. And yet the real sorrow of the story of scripture is that we reject that love. 
and we say, I would rather be my own God. I'd rather call the shots myself. And so I'm going to move away and move into isolation. And yet every time that that happens, people regret it. People say, this is not what I thought it would be. And so they long to be restored, to be returned to God's love. And that's what the story of our faith is about. God saying, I long to return you from your exile. With us asking the question, how God, how can we undo our isolation? And I think that's the question Paul seeks to answer in the book of Romans. There's a lot of ways you can organize Romans, a lot of ways you can speak about this really dense and beautiful theological book. But one of the ways, especially maybe mindful of our moment here in the world today, is this lens of exile, this lens of isolation. And Paul wants us to see how God in Jesus moves us from isolation into community, moves us from a place of isolation into community. How does Paul make that point? Well, he does it through all these different contrasts. He says, well, there's death and there's life. There's the flesh and the spirit. There's slavery and adoption. All these things on the one hand that are a way of death, a way of chaos, a way of disorder. On the other hand, there's this way of life, this way of peace, this way of hope. And he invites us to move into that community of life, that community of love. And one of the interesting ways he does it in our reading today is through this lens of debt. He talks in verse 12 about the fact that we are debtors. He says, so then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors. I think debt radically reshapes the way we see the world, doesn't it? If you think about it, debt has the ability to shape and really put a a filter or a lens through which you see countless things. Some of you maybe have lived for years with personal debt, and you know what I'm talking about. You know the challenge and the burden that it is to carry that debt. Uh, Many of us maybe haven't had debt, but in this incredible moment we find ourselves in, are curious and asking the question, maybe facing in very real ways, personal debt for the first time. Our country this week alone just took on $2 trillion of debt. That's a way to try and save our crashing economy. Two trillion dollars of debt. And one of the things that I think we are mindful of in this cultural moment, and that Paul knew as well in his day, is that debt is a big deal. Debt will shape the way we live our personal and our corporate collective lives in so many ways. Debt shapes us in countless ways countless ways. And I've heard this applied theologically from time to time, where people in the church say that we have a a debt of love, or that the death of Jesus is a debt of love that we can never repay. And there's a, a real truth to that. I think in a sense, we are meant to respond to that reality with a sense of gratitude and overflowing joy that the Lord has given us this gift of love, this debt of love that we talk about. And yet, let's stick with this reality of debt, just the the weight of debt. What if it's a debt of love that you and I can never repay? What does that mean? Most of the debts that we have, we want to repay as quickly as we possibly can. I know that's true for me. If I have a mortgage, if you have a mortgage for 15 years, for 30 years, we enter into a debt relationship with a bank. And yet we count the days 
to when we'll be able to be out of that relationship, to be freed from that burden. And yet, what does it mean to have a debt that we'll never repay? Maybe as Americans, the last few days give us an idea of that. You don't take on $2 trillion of debt and think that you'll be freed from that anytime soon. And so in a very maybe strange and remarkable way, the debt our country has helps us enter into and understand Paul's words in a new way. The debt that we as Christians have is a debt that we are never meant to repay. And hear me on this, that's not bad news. That's really good news. That's great news for us as Christians. We are people who live as debtors to the Lord, as debtors to the life that he gives us by his spirit. That's what Paul says in verse 13. If we live by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. The aim of the debt that we have as Christians is not burden, but it's freedom. Free to live our life with God in the spirit. Freed from the chaos and the brokenness that lies within. And so in a sense to say we are indebted to God, it's our way of saying there is a debt that will never run out because we will never reach an end to the love of God. We will never know a day in which you and I are not his beloved children, his sons and his daughters. And Paul wants us to remember that as well. I have little children. Every day I do my very best to remind them that they are loved by God, that I love them as their father, that they are beloved by me. I hope there is never a day in which they question whether or not they are loved. And that's what the Lord wants for you and me, to know that we are always loved. No matter where we find ourselves, what troubles we face, we are loved by the Lord. And not only are we loved by Jesus, but he wants us to be like him because that's how we're free. That's how we truly enter into the freedom of God. As Paul says in verse 17, he says, we are children and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. But listen to this. He says, if we suffer with him so that we may be glorified with him, this debt that we know, it leads to freedom. But we have to acknowledge the chaos inside. We have to acknowledge there is a death that will give way to that birth. And we have to step into that and press into that in significant ways, in costly ways, in ways in which we feel the pain of that reality. But it's the only way you and I are actually free. Because God wants us to be free. He wants to get into those dark places of our hearts and souls and root out the brokenness, root out the decay so that the life of the Spirit can flood in, come crashing in and set us free in incredible ways. That is what you and I need in every day of our lives. Wherever we find ourselves, He wants to set us free. How does He do this? Well, it's not just that He's with us, but He leads us into freedom. Paul says in verse 14, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And as we've said, that is a statement of our identity. We are children of God. But hear this, it's a statement of direction. Jesus is leading you and me by his spirit into places of freedom. He's leading us away from death and into life, into the very love of the Trinity, away from our isolation and into love 
away from our alienation and into community. That is what it means to follow the Lord. That is the gift of our life with God. Thanks be to God. What a gift that this truly is. And I think in the age of coronavirus, this is really good news for us because you and I may feel stagnant. We may feel paralyzed. We may feel completely unable to move forward with God. And the news that Paul reminds us of today is it's not just that God is with us in some abstract theological sense, but God leads us. He comes and finds us as wayward sheep. He comes and finds us as fearful sheep looking for hope and looking for help. And he, as our good shepherd, leads us along still waters. He leads us into places of peace and places of rest. And so take hope and take courage today. God is with us. He is with us in deep and beautiful, profound ways. That is the hope of the the book of Romans that we who were once isolated, we who were once alienated instead find hope. We find life because God enters in to our brokenness and he leads us into places of peace. And so for those of us who are sheltered, for those of us who are isolated in some sense over the next few days and weeks, we cling to this hope. We are not alone. God is with us. His spirit abides with us. And so your home can be a holy place, a holy habitation where the Lord makes his home, where the Trinity becomes not just an abstract ideal, but the Trinity becomes our very life, the place where we live. Would you pray with me? Father, may this be true for us today as our hearts are prone to fear, prone to worry, prone to doubt your goodness and your love, would you enter into those places and would you speak life? Reassure us of your nearness, of your strength and your power, your ability to lead us through this moment. And would you give us repentant hearts, hearts that are quick to say, God, where do I doubt? Where have I turned away from your love? And how in this chaos, in this confusion we find ourselves in, how are you at work? What are you doing, Lord, right now? Give me eyes to see it and attentiveness to follow you as you lead us, we pray. Amen. Let's continue in prayer with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Remember the Lord is with you. Whatever your day looks like, whatever your week looks like, Our Lord Jesus is with you in that place, and you are not alone. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. As we say each week, let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. I hope to see you tomorrow at noon for midday prayer. If not, we'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.